Human beings have neither the oral nor the psychological capacity to withstand the awesome power of God's true voice. Theology unplugged. Hermeneutics. Herman who? The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Theology unplugged. I mean, uh, if God is omniscient, if he knows everything, and he wouldn't be God if he didn't, then he must have known, even before the creation of the world, the names of those who will be saved. Theology unplugged. Only let my errors be proven by scripture. Theology unplugged. Would you guys agree that Christianity is defined so much and it's how we act, but we do have some definite theological markers. Theology unplugged. <laughs> okay, well, we've got Clint and Carrie, and this is Theology Unplugged. Um, it is uh, the final session that we're doing uh-huh. on apologetics. Methods, right. Methods. And I, we're just going to sum it up, I guess. I, I don't want this to be one that's kind of the boring one that people think, oh, this is one we, you know, sums it all up and reviews it. Save the boring one for later. Do it a different day. <laughs> but this one, I want to be more practical about the uses. Remember, we got the four, the, the four uh, methods of apologetics. Um, fe, uh, fedeism, or fe, how do we pronounce it? Fideism. 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 Uh, the presuppositional apologetics, the evidential apologetics, and the classical apologetics. All different methods that we've, we've talked about, so we don't want to review those. But I want to talk about how these are used by us individually. You know, just a practical thing. Maybe not, Maybe not. here's the method that I use and I go to knowing I'm going to use this method. But what more naturally appeals to people? You know, from my standpoint, whenever I'm thinking of this, I'm like, God, it depends upon the situation and who yeah. I'm talking to, because it's not as if I'm committed, me, me, myself, at least, I'm not committed to any of these. I mean, obviously, the least committed to uh, fideism. Um, and maybe I would say I employ that uh, last Mm-hmm. Uh, or in, in a fewer situations than I employ the others, but it may be the type of people that I'm talking to. But I, I think for me personally, whenever I engage this, it's always a very personal thing. It's like I was talking to a guy earlier today, and um, he, he was a guy that is just experiencing extreme doubt. And it, it was a method for me of going and saying, what would I need to do in this situation? You know, the way my mind works. And then seeing if that appeals, seeing if that that works with someone, and so mine mine is usually a very evidential approach. I mean, it's uh, it is building from the ground up. It's very inductive rather than deductive, mm. and it's not as if I don't believe you guys probably agree with me. Uh, the the presuppositional classics are all very special to me. You know, it's very important. But it's almost like you get those and you set them aside for a minute. And you say, how, how do we, because I, I, need, I need, in the end, the central element of my faith to be established more than anything else. Why do you presuppose that? <laughs> <laughs> and where's your evidence? <laughs> it's all there. You're right. It's all presupposed. It's all uh, part of the, of the process. But inductively, at the end, that's the most practical thing that mm-hmm. I see. It's, it's like, why do, you, why do you believe the Bible, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Because I, I think a lot of it is because, number one, when we go through times and periods where we need apologetics more than others, doubt, or we're talking to somebody who's doubting, it's usually because somebody has presented to them the other side inductively, you know, whether it's we're going to use evolution to prove Christianity wrong, or or we're going to show how the Bible is full of contradictions, therefore it is wrong. It's not trustworthy. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so it's it's starting there and saying, how do I how do I engage in our culture with what is being attacked in the most relevant way that is the most effective, and it's a very personal thing as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, if so, if a person had listened to, which I would encourage if they don't know what we're talking about, the previous episodes where we went through those, they might expect at the end that we would say, okay, now it's time for us to tell you which one is right. But that's not what I think any, I speak for me, I, that's not what I'm I, about that, to do that's here. That's not our end game. No. And, and I, I don't, don't think there is a right uh, method to that. That is not a method that excludes the others, yeah, makes yeah. no use of the yeah. others. Yeah. Look, if we were, if you were tasked with giving a presentation, I mean, if somebody said, I want you to come next week to my church and, and give a 45-minute presentation on how to really do apologetics <laughs> real good, well, then you might have to consider, um, oh, boy, you know, what do I start with and how do I incorporate these and is there one that I'm going to major on and whatever. But if we're talking about day-to-day life, just how you interact with people, well, really, the context of different conversations dictates, dictates. exactly how you're doing it because doesn't everything have a lot have to do with what the person's asking you about or what their challenge is or what they're facing? Because if, um, you know, if, if they just read something and they said, well, I... I think that, you know, uh, you know, the Bible, who can trust that because it's so old and I don't even know if we can rely on these old copies of whatever, who wrote what. Well, then, well, guess what? I'm going to have to talk a little bit about the textual basis. That, that's more evidential, right? It's historical. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. But it would do me no good there to say, I don't know, say, hey, man. Have you ever heard of the ontological argument? Yeah, yeah. What, that, that would be yeah. silly. It would be... It would be well, um, it's not, it's an incoherent not, response yeah. to what your challenge is. So, I don't. I don't think you go through life with a. I guess with a pres- with an apologetics presentation locked and loaded for whoever all comers. I think you should be dynamic and and conversational with people. You should know the stuff so that when they say a certain thing, you can just respond to that in kind. So if they say, uh, "Well, man, you know what about evolution? I mean, that kind of shows how you know." You don't need a mind. It just uh, bl- it could just be sort of a blind thing. Now, in that case, it's appropriate to say, "Yeah, well, have you heard? Uh, have you read about like physicists that talk about what they call the fine tuning of the universe? Have you read about that? Because see, so now what am I doing? Oh, I recognize that's the design argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's just because that's appropriate in that setting because that's what the guy's challenged yeah. with. That's what he's yeah. dealing with." And this might really See, help. See, I him. would have chosen some sort of philosophical argument against that, like, like a classical. I would win. Well, in it a is one of the classical it, yeah. arguments. No, no. What I meant, though, what I well, I'm just saying that's one way to go. But I would just go and and question. Um, well, you know, if evolution is the case, how can you trust your mind to right. know that it's that's the, the case? presuppositional and that's, element? And, and I, Which and I so should, I'm inclined I think, personally to go in that direction. That's just how I am. I think that I always in a if if I'm not just 
I would do that too, by the way. Yeah. Oh, because I know you would. Either before or after. It's kind of like I always house what we're saying in that in the presupposition, only because I, I don't I don't want to not give them something substantive because they might want to know like what do you say about that, and if I just say oh yeah well I'm just going to ask you a question, um, and I don't ever answer their question, they might think I'm up to something. But even though I might talk about hey just th- throw them a bone. You heard of this this thing about fine tuning? Give them a couple of references or just hey, just so you know. But I would, like you said, I would want to also stick in their mind those questions. Yeah. In fact, I think I just trying to analyze myself. I think I always sort of start with with questions more than unless 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 the beginning of a discussion is somebody hitting me with a question. Yeah. But if we're just if I'm just talking to someone. I like that Socratic kind the, of approach. Socratic like, well, let's just like, let me oh. just use some questions. And what questions will I use? I'll always start with questions that are presuppositional in nature. Just well, sort of I mean, whenever it comes to things like that, I, I would say I use neither. I use neither the evidential kind of approach of the fine tuning, more inductive again, or the classical or the uh, presuppositional approach of you know the existence of rationality or whatever else it may be. But, you know, I, 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 I think at that point it's kind of the path of least resistance to me. So there's a lot of explaining that has to go on when we're talking about fine-tuning, and there's a lot of more questions that come up. And that's fine. I think it's great to have. But also whenever it comes to to uh, the existence of rationality or whatever it may be presuppositionally. That's heavy-handed. Heavy but whenever I go to it's just a basic classical cosmological argument, I say, okay, fine, evolution. But what started it, you know? I mean, everybody's got to get there, and everybody's eventually got to answer those questions, and it's an easy question to ask. And, you know, to, and I'm not trying to do a kind of a uh, reducing it to the absurd, but in some ways that is. What, what's your absurd answer besides right. God of where all well, these see, things come from? I would from? be, personally, though, I would be very, very resistant to, to saying, okay, Darwinian evolution, fine, because I think that that is something that has set itself up against Christ, and we should cast it down. That's okay. Now, do I, so I know that. But I, I'm, I'm not willing to grant it, personally. I'm just willing to grant it for the moment. Because of all the import. I see. Yeah, I mean, so you don't have to argue. Yeah, yeah, argue it's just it. too much. It's too uh, too many things, and but again, things. that depends on your. It depends on the nature of your discussion partner. And it depends. Are you on there your for a while, and approach. can they handle that level? And that, is that what they're looking for, or you yeah. know, or is this like um, you can tell that this they're not they're not they don't want that much, mm-hmm. and and this is a brief conversation. And I mean, you've got to play all this stuff sort of on the fly. And another thing you need to be sensitive to is if people are really genuinely asking questions. Or if they're just lodging complaints yeah, yeah. at you. And you can and tell, you can case, tell, right? It is a pearls before swine situation yeah. to where you're just like, well, okay. You and know, usually, you can't really you? Wanna... Don't you think you can tell? I think so. I think. I mean, sometimes we're it. we're baited into it. We jump into yeah. it, and that's kind of like, we, and, and we know the people aren't you know, really sincerely asking. Back in the day when I was more feisty, uh, I yeah. would. And I used to be less feisty than I am now. Um, but, yeah, I would be inclined just to bite on it and Let me tell you, let me tell you the absolute resistance so. that I have toward if somebody's coming to me and I was kind of doubting or I was an atheist or whatever it may be, whenever it comes to things like fine-tuning, it is so scientific. There's so much scientific things that are... And I'm not saying they're assumed. I'm just saying whenever I listen to something, I'm like, how do you know all this? Right. You know? You've just read it somewhere, and you're kind of parroting the same thing. Are you thing. saying that, that they, they haven't verified it as Yeah, true? They, they don't know so this So thus it's not true knowledge? I mean, you start giving, giving all the numbers, and you say, well, here's, here's the, you know, uh, the, the video that I saw the other day. It's, it's one and 
uh, 10 to the 17th power. Uh, this yeah. kind of, I'm like, what are you talking about? Where does that come from? Maybe it is, but how did you figure You didn't figure yeah, that yeah. out. You heard somebody else say that, and you're you're saying it as well. I mean, it's very well, practical. They, they, they have the same approach, though, when they're appealing to the data and the statistics and yeah. all of that. That they're doing that because the people that they're arguing with, that's how they function as well. Yeah. They don't know it. But like yeah. I said, I'm, it's all referred information. It's all but referred. But I only brought it up because of the nature of that person's question. Yeah. I wouldn't go to the street corner <laughs> Start talking and just be like, teleology. Has everyone, who here with a bullhorn? <laughs> have you heard, brother, have you heard the good news of the fine tune-in argument? <laughs> I mean, you That's know, right. I, you say that though, but let, let's be practical. There are people who produce, you know, short clips or something like that that are meant to evangelize based upon the fine tuning argument and. Well, that, uh, I would say that... I don't that, know that they're meant that, to evangelize. That's, that's Maybe they're meant to be part of a process, yeah. and their goal is evangelism. Well, it's, it's apologetics. I don't think, it's, it's I don't think anyone's handing out tracts that say... <laughs> the four, uh, brother, four, the, four teleological I mean, laws. I mean, now, it may mention it? it because you just want to provoke someone to think somehow about God and to just oh, yeah. reflect on the way the universe yeah. is yeah. and to be like confronted with... Things that, you know, like in other words, you might have been just skipping through life thinking, oh, there's no reason to think there's God. And I'm just going to hit you with something that challenges that and says, yeah, there really is. Have you thought, I mean, you know, maybe Have that, you considered this, the fine tuning? Well, I mean, yeah, in the fine tuning one, I think you can get real practical on. You don't really have to get scientific because for me, whenever I look at the design stuff, it's just stuff you start to wonder throughout the days. Like, this is amazing stuff that we have. Like, like they talk about, I just had uh, one of my wisdom tooth pulled. You know, I been that's why you a, seem less wise today h e double l because of all the infections and the hang on let me spell that up that's hockey oh yeah. oh that oh that yeah and, and it's and it, it, it afterwards i'm like man i really liked my wisdom teeth they were with i mean that wisdom tooth it was a handy tooth you're gonna and, miss them it was handy this <laughs> tooth right here so boy it can, do, yeah, it can michael, do so much michael and, uh, patton uh, this finds whole a time purpose I, thought, I thought in evolution we lost them because we didn't need them anymore oh, i'm like right. we do need them you know this oh, is yeah. crazy stuff so it's like very and then it's like oh, i'm thinking to myself okay granted evolution um, and it was uh, a, a random mutation that we're, we're losing them. And I say, that doesn't really work out, even if you're evolutionist, because random mutations are like, aren't like that. And it's not as if random mutations go according to need, you know? And it's not as if later on we'll be born without wisdom teeth or, you know, something like that. It's, it's, it's just little practical things throughout the day. I mean, things that you, that you enjoy. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if I should bring this up on this, but a friend wrote me the other day, just texted me. And he said, if evolution happened. <laughs> I think this is going to be something yeah, inappropriate yeah. for mixed company. Yeah, yeah. He said, why does sex feel so good? <laughs> I'm and not said, including I this. I said, a random mutation made that, it to that. where it did. And the, Dump that. The beforehand, maybe it didn't. And those people died out because <laughs> there was no motivation for it. I'm like, in the end. No it motivation just, for just, it. That's it just, the prime motivation for it. You, you can say but all anyway, kinds of stuff. But to me, That's it's, why your dog will jump a fence. You didn't think he could jump. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, as silly, it's as silly for me to think of that as it is for other people to think of a snake talking. You know what I mean? You're mm -hmm. just like, guys, don't you understand? We, we all have these bizarre, silly beliefs that have to be incorporated no matter which way we right. go. And given the presuppositions, a snake talking is no big deal if I presuppose that there's an all-powerful being. Whereas uh, this incredible thing, you're presupposing no such being 
So it had to have just come together, but you know the odds have yeah, to have yeah, just worked in your yeah. favor, which to me is more of a which stretch. Which is even actually you know, more unbelievable more, more, than because, a talking snake. Well, so. maybe there was talking snakes in evolutionary process, and for some reason <laughs> the right. non-talking snakes were more advantageous, and you know the other ones ran their mouth the whole time. The other ones were over there, like while the non-talking ones come up and snuck up and killed them all. You know, I don't know. <laughs> just it's yeah. just. I mean, in the end, uh, what I'm saying is that. That stuff, for me at least, is hard to grab hold of because I don't know if I trust the information that I've gotten it from. So I kind of leave it be. But whenever it comes to right. stuff about the New Testament, whenever it comes to stuff about the stuff historical that you can, reliability. You personally can consult the primary sources. Yeah. That, well, yeah. that's your sweet spot. And I think that that's certain people are called to certain areas yeah. of apologetics. Yeah. But you can appeal to the authority. And that's that you can't appeal to a false authority. But yeah. you can an appeal to authority is a legitimate. Yeah. Uh, way of arguing to where you do know these people have done this and studied. It is, but I'm going to appeal to authority. It's it's normally I can get more more inductive to the very beginning. I I can't become scientific. I can't mm -hmm. become mathematician. I mean, I'm like. You know, whenever it's one and ten to the seventeenth power, I'm like, how do you come up with that? That doesn't even make well, sense. Well, and that, I know well, that, and that's uh, all of that's just math and and. I'm just know, like it's and, impossible. And, it's not like I don't know that it is impossible, time. but I think though, no, seriously, that 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 could just be your bent away from it. Like I'm not not necessarily keen on that stuff, but I do like cosmology and. You know what I mean? Yeah. Quantum mechanics. I love learning about that yeah. stuff. Um, I'm not proficient in it, but I love that, and that's my bent. So when I do encounter people that are objecting, at least from a scientific angle on that, I enjoy it. Well, let you me know? ask you guys this. I don't I know if this is still in our direction, but bent, I'm, I'm kind of having fun right now to. with this. But <laughs> I mean, think of this, okay? And this, I, I've just had problems with this for so long because the entire teleological argument, at least in evangelical circles, is based upon what chance does it have of this happening? It is this chance, you know, again, one A lot of plausibility and stuff, yeah. Yeah, you don't have to frame it that way, but some people do. Yeah, yeah, and it's often framed that way, right? Yeah, but I mean, well, what chance numerically or just is it more probable than not? I think you can, I think you can approach these things without, um, without saying it that way. I think you can sort of do more abductive or, or best explanation inference. It just says... Like a cumulative case, sort of like, kind of or, like Doug Groteheis would yeah, do or I Rob mean, Bowman would do. Think of it this way. It's sort of like, man, you know, something has to be the case in terms of the in terms of the big story. My Mine includes a mind, includes God. You know, this is the Christian view. And maybe another guy's uh, in, doesn't. Uh, but so we say, well, what universe, do, what kind of reality do we find ourselves in? And you just sort of look around. One where... One where uh, just about everywhere I look in the physical world, it suspiciously looks like a fix. Yeah. And there's so yeah. much design and it yeah. seems, seems to be there. One in which every human being sort of has this inescapable sense of moral conscience. Now, I just wonder, you know, which of the which of our two realities seems to be comfortable, have be a home and compatible. for. compatible. I, I do go to the moral argument. Quite those, a bit. those realities. Are, does does it does that at home in the way I see the world? It fits right in there. It fits, right. It's what I expect. You know, but, if it, but if it's at home in the other world, it's one in ten to yeah, the seven. It's, it's, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, you know, we didn't really talk about the argument. No, no, no. Wait, wait, no. I'm not done. I'm not done. You got to listen to me, okay? This is fun. You got to listen to him. Yeah, yeah. Because I want to so. hear what you guys have to say about this because it doesn't make any sense to me. Let's say because we keep on adding and saying, okay, if we have if we have an infinite amount of time, how many monkeys or and how many time amount of universes, and then it will eventually <laughs> happen, you know. 
And that doesn't make any sense to me at all because let's say. Well, they're just saying they're calculating the odds. I know that, but there's no such thing. It's probability theory, man. There's no such thing. There is a such thing. Okay, but listen to this. It's an abstraction. Did you ever take statistics? But listen to this. Listen to this. Let's keep it abstract. Let's say I'm flipping a coin. I'm flipping a coin. What's the chance it goes heads? 50 50, right? Well, what's the chance it goes heads 10 times in a row? Well, you say, well, that's one in. 10 to the 2 power or something like that. Mm -hmm. Then I say, what's the chance of it going heads 500 times in a row? You say, well, that's 1 in 10 to the 17th power. What's the chance of it going heads for a million times? There's no chance. I don't care how many zeros you put after it. It'll never happen. You're saying there's no realistic chance. But but mathematicians are going to just simply extrapolate that calculation to some absurd number. That's why I don't like it. It's it's acting as if there is a chance. Whenever there's not a chance, whenever you have impossibility or improbability, that's that's not what it's saying. Improbability uh, stacked on improbability stacked on improbability does eventually equal impossibility. I don't know if that's true, actually, uh, because think about this. You could. What if I gave you a number, and I've seen this kind of number written out, and like you, every time I see numbers like this, I kind of roll my eyes like, whatever, man. Yeah. Like, that's a real number. But I've seen in these kind of discussions, and I won't be written. It'll be like, it'll be like 10 to the, and the number that is the, um, exponent, the exponent is like 17 digits. And I'll, here's what I'll say, and this is similar to what you're saying. I'll say to myself, part of me will say, that's not a real number. Yeah. Because, and what I mean is, that's not a number. There is that there is nothing in to... reality we've ever experienced that is that number. There right. is no that number of anything that yeah. we've ever known of. Yeah. No one could ever count to such a number. I mean, you know, but are, technically speaking, it is a number. Yeah, it's an, in terms I mean? of the abstract. So it bespeaks the impossibility of whatever ten to the exponential whatever it is. That's why, and I don't I don't really even use that those types of arguments, but I can appreciate them for what they are. But I was going to bring up something that we really didn't talk about too much was the argument from aesthetic and only because certain things you were saying were prompting my thoughts, which we're going to talk about Golly, in our apologetics we unplugged moved through this, haven't we? Which, yeah. Uh, which we talked about in apologetics unplugged doing one on the objective nature of beauty, but the mm-hmm. BBC um, runs, uh, there's a program sh- on BBC called nature with David Attenborough I know where you're going. and uh, the telegraph and probably a few other um, <clears throat> British uh, papers wrote an article on it that mm-hmm. they did. They weren't quite expecting the reactions that they've been getting from these nature programs with Brian Cox and David Attenborough. Attenborough, Attenborough. And Brian Cox does science shows, mm-hmm. uh, not nature, but yeah. it's a d- distinction. But anyway, when people are viewing these things, they're drawn to, you know, experience awe and a sense of wonder, and they start thinking about God. And the, if you ever watch these shows. They're not talking about God at all. All they're doing, though, I mean, they have their naturalistic paradigm from which they're operating, and that's how they're talking. But the things that they're saying are falling on deaf ears because all people are doing are (laughs) watching these sweeping shots of the ocean or these, you know, closed shots on penguins, you know, nuzzling or whatever. And they're just like, there's a God. So anyway, that was something I was going to bring up that that kind of goes into, I guess, maybe a classical argument because it's an argument from yeah. aesthetic, right? I think but C.S. Lewis makes arguments that are a lot like that. He, he does. So, And it's true. You know, and they, it annoys some of these modern uh, makers of these films because they all share this naturalistic way of thinking. It bugs them that the very product that they're putting out there that they might think we're promoting science which will naturally incline people away from those silly from religious God. beliefs mm-hmm. well guess what as a matter of fact it's been inclining them quite a bit toward towards it. god yeah. because to they're because it's like the old guy i remember years ago said he said i used to watch carl sagan you know back in the uh, cosmos, 80s yeah and i 
I thought he must be uh, believing God a lot the way he talked. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until later I found out he didn't. He and was, why did he, he think that? Because Sagan was always about the wonder and the mystery and the yeah. majesty and the power that were in the vast universe. But it's of the universe. And this it, impersonal, But this guy listening thing. to that thought, wow. He's talking you know, about God. The grandeur, the wonder and all this. He just thought, this guy must really be a believer. Mm-hmm. you know. And it was almost surprising to him to learn he's not. And that's mm-hmm. that whole... You know, we did. We see that a lot today. The scientific mysticism is sort of oh, like abs- it's absolutely that. You know, we're in all of the created. We're uh-huh. not that different from the guys that just the tribe that just you know worship the eagle. Yeah. You know, we're- yeah. Well, and you also notice too within the scientific community, and this is going a little bit on a tangent, but that they have a, a, a bent towards um, Eastern thought, which is very pantheistic and panentheistic. Sure. So there's no accident that they're essentially doing in Rome what Romans one says they'll do. They're worshiping the Creator. You or know, the creation and, above the creator. Yeah, and, and you know, a th- <coughs> thought I had, I was going to say, I didn't say this when we were doing the fideism thing, uh-huh. and since we're not, and since we haven't really mentioned that much here, but I don't know if this is true. I maybe, oh, maybe out to lunch here, but I sometimes think that this, that this kind of argument that has to do with, I don't know, um, the whole like I'm in awe of things, and you know, I wonder sometimes if that has, if that is connected to the fideist orientation, you know what I mean? Because for a lot of people, that feeling is a almost like a direct experience, mm-hmm. religious experience. Yeah. You know what well, I mean? It, it, and I think it's a legitimate feeling because, I mean, uh, the thing is you can't obviously empirically quantify that feeling. Mm-hmm. But I think there's something to it. Calvin talked about it, didn't he? The well, Census I mean, when we talk about fideism. And, and, well, and so it does link, I guess maybe you're trying to say that it somehow parallels fide- certain elements of fideism. And I think fideism maybe, can, can latch uh, on to parts aspects, of that. Like Michael was yeah. saying a minute ago, man, all the numbers and data, I mean, that's like, ugh, that's kind of scientific. That can seem dry your, and dead yeah, and scientific. Your eyes for now, sure. to people whose minds are into that, uh, it's more appealing to them. But for a lot of people who aren't like who don't say, oh, I'm, uh, you know, I really want to hear all these numbers. Yeah. To them, they're more fideist in their orientation, but they can, they can still sense a kind of uh, persuasive maybe power when you show them, hey, do you realize just how many tiny, minute details have to be just right? So like we're balanced on this yeah. edge of a knife here. They don't. They're not caught up in the numbers so much as just the general idea, which provokes in them this spiritual feeling. Like it just sort of like they, you know, they're caught up in it. Like wow, yeah, I'm, and that's amazing. That. And Absolutely. I feel like I've, it's yeah. almost like a, a, a not a fideist. Maybe it is a fideistic type of approach, but it's almost like this doxological approach. You know, and it's there's like, nothing. Yeah, yeah and sure. I think like, we can appeal to that because there there is. There's truth in that. Yeah. And, and I, I think uh, anywhere... Doxo, do, the doxology meaning Sorry. to worship. Yeah, 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 to worship God. It's like, it's like you might as well, look, you re, re, read one of the majestic Psalms, and a lot of people, and what do the church the do? Do they analyze the Hebrew verbs? No. No, they, they, they're just like, wow. It's you true. Know? I think that's yeah. probably the more natural uh, <laughs> who's, who's response the guy they the, should the, have. the leader of Russia who 
you know, uh, at least apocryphal, middle ages, uh, late middle ages. And he goes to the uh, Eastern church and says, this is it, because he was caught in the wonder of it all. You yeah. know, the bigness yeah. of it all. And yeah. the, the way in which they approached mystery and, yeah. you know, really converted all of Russia, where Russia was became uh, historically an Eastern Orthodox Christian no church. But it was it was that type of deal. You know, and I, and I do talk to a lot of people who I think they don't need any more evidence. They don't need any more. I mean, they're just continuing to search and search and search. Like a guy I talked to today, he, he was like... I've read Keller on this. I've read C.S. Lewis on this. And after a while, I'm like, man, I don't have anything more to give you than from the standpoint of evidence. Yeah, those guys are okay, but wait till I tell you about it. Sometimes, no matter how many apologetics argument, and is this someone who's a believer? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's doubting his faith. Well, it doesn't matter how many apologetic arguments you know. It doesn't, at the end of the day, because you are contending in that case, I mean, it could just be... Well, his his contention is like a lot of people, and I think that this is the spirit of the age today, that we're coming out of a modernistic approach that has really dampened our ability to think rationally, and here's what he tries to do. I want a solid 100% certain answer for every single thing. But that's not how knowledge works. And this is where Pascal, and at least his brand of fideism comes in, and you say, listen, you've got enough. You don't have to be 100% certain. You just have to be sure that that which you are trusting in is better than the other options out well, that, there. That, and and if it's better, it doesn't matter whether you're 100% certain. That's what you commit to. That's why not where, just ask, where you're are at. you certain that you're uncertain? Yeah. Ask him that question. The thing is, and it, that's when it behooves the Christian to understand, you know, epistemology at a yeah. deeper level, to understand oh, yeah, yeah. how we know things yeah. and the methodology. Shape, man. I think people just need to read Francis Schaeffer. That's yeah. all. That's what yeah. I would do. Go read Francis Schaeffer. You'll be fine. They just need to take Introduction to Theology class. Oh, by right. the way, by the way, I know take that we are, uh, <laughs> we are out of time, but um, I do want to remind everybody that this is a listener-supported broadcast, so mm-hmm. we welcome all of your uh, donations, uh, tax-deductible donations, and it does help us propel this ministry forward and continue on with what we're doing. We've got new projects with coming blogs, up. With all the and I will send curriculum. you a prayer cloth that I blew my nose into. <laughs> That's right. We will send it. So so look on look on uh, credohouse.org and go to the donate page if you uh, find that this is beneficial to you and you would like to donate to what we're doing. But other than that, guys, we're out of time, right? I guess so. I mean, I mean. I hope we, I hope right. we did it justice in our wrap up. So. We, we did a lot of stuff on that podcast. We uh, talked podcast. randomly. We may have, us, our, we may have our, our we more roll. traditional cast coming up soon. That's right. As we kick Carrie out. That's you know, right. Traditionalist. She, yes. does not, she is no longer going to be a part of the cast ever again. We won't even let her voice anything in the background. That's fine. I'm okay with that, really. <laughs> she can do special music. I have other plates to spin, so that's fine. Um, but anyway, that's it for this one. We'll see you soon. Or they'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying Theology Unplugged, let me tell you about some of the other resources we have available. Visit us online at credohouse.org and browse over 2,000 articles on everything from the Crusades to gay marriage. Sign up for email updates and get the latest news, event announcements, and special deals before anyone else. Connect with us on social media. Just search Credo House on Twitter and Facebook. And you can always email us at theologyunplugged at credohouse.org. We want you to be part of the Credo community. Please partner with us in making theology accessible and pushing back the intellectual attack on Christianity. Thank you.